welcome everyone. Welcome those who are watching uh, in the other rooms. Special welcome to you. You're not here with us, but you're with us in spirit and everything that's happening here, God wants to do for you as well. Special welcome for people who are watching online from Australia, friends in Australia. I know you're watching right now, Tanya and others. And uh, friends in America, San Diego, Shelley, and some others over there, all different parts of America and some parts from UK. And uh, we're just so glad that you're watching and part of what God is doing and know that the word of God we speak here has power to transform you where you are. If you're watching in one of the small groups, then what God is saying to us here will be a living word that can touch you. All he requires is your heart be open and that you choose to believe. Without faith, we can't please God. So it's gotta be a choice to receive God's words, not kind of listen to a message, but within the message I share, listen for what God is trying to say to you. You know, as we begin the year, always the thing I wanna find out is what sorts of things God is wanting to say to me for the year. And so I've had a, a few things going on just recently. I've, I've got a message today I know has come from the Lord because uh, I just had so many people I've been helping online and uh, the one common thing that's been coming up is that uh, things that have been buried in their lives have started to surface. And, <laughs> and so I realize that God is on this and he's opened up some things for me to share with you. So, you know, if, we, if, we, if you have a vision for growth and enlargement this year, then you have to have a plan that includes overcoming the obstacles. We can have big dreams, but there's gotta be steps to get there. And part of the thing includes facing what holds me back. And for many of us, we're limited not by opportunities, but we're limited by the things within us that hold us back. And we wanna talk about that. So God always requires you leave some things behind to move forward. And what I have observed with people in the Bible in my own life, that before God's promotion or increase and enlargement, there's often a process that is a little bit painful. Pain before promotion, how about that? And you see that right through the Bible. So if you're going through a bit of pain right now, there's a little bit of a struggle going on in your life, maybe right beyond that is your promotion. And God's just wanting you to lean into Him and not just wrestle or, or, or dismiss these things. So what, if you could put a name on it, what's holding you back and causing you to limit God working? That'd be a good question. So God always or frequently uses stories and pictures to help us understand spiritual truths because stories are great. You hear a story, yeah, I can identify with the story. And that's why your story is so powerful because your story tells of the work of God, God in your life. And God also uses stories from the Bible, pictures from the Bible. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, it says that all the things that were written there were written for us. So all that Israel went through, they went through as, uh, as a picture, a lesson for us to learn from. So the big deal is you wanna learn. He said these things that happened to them were an example or a picture or a pattern for us. And he said so that, and they were written for our warning or instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. So when we go into the Old Testament and look at a story, there's layers in it. There's the story and what happened in that, in that time and what God was doing. And then there's something prophetic that works and applies to our life today. So as I go through a story today, we're gonna see something God wants to bring to your attention. So here's the story. And uh, the message I've called is toss out your Tobiah. And we're gonna talk about Tobiah in the Bible. And here it's found in uh, Nehemiah chapter 13 and verses four through to around about verse nine, okay? So now before this, Eliashab the priest having authority over the storerooms of the house of God. Notice that word storerooms. We're gonna come back to that. Storerooms of the house of God. And he said, he was allied with Tobiah. He was in an agreement, in a relationship with Tobiah. We're gonna to find out who Tobiah was later. And he had prepared for him a large room where previously they'd stored the grain, the offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine, the oil, which God had commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepings and the offerings for the priests. So there's storerooms and in the storerooms, there's things that are stored up there and they are the provisions for the house of God to function properly, you know idea? And uh, so what had happened was they'd all been removed and now Tobiah is in the house of God in one of the chambers. 
Okay. And it said, during all of this, I was not in Jerusalem. But in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon, I returned to the king. And then after certain days, I obtained leave to come back. So he was away from, the, from Jerusalem for about 10 years. Uh, and, uh, and it says then, and I came to Jerusalem and I discovered the evil Eliashab had done for Tobiah. Wow. In preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Now look at this. Therefore, I threw out all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room, chucked them all out. And then I commanded them to cleanse the room, spray them from all contamination. I brought them back the articles of the house of God and the grain offering and the frankincense. So there it is. That's a dramatic story. Uh, and Nehemiah, we're gonna look at Nehemiah and see who he is. We're gonna look at Tobiah and see who he is. We're gonna look at the chambers and see what they are. In other words, the story is a simple story that he was away and while he's away, the guy he entrusted to look after the temple got into an alliance with Tobiah and welcomed him in, took out all of the stuff that should be offered to the, to the, the priest and keep the house of God functioning and then installed Tobiah in one of the chambers, made a large chamber in the house of God. And he was furious and he came, confronted the whole situation and hurled it all out, just tossed the stuff out. And that's something, eh? That's a story. Doesn't it remind you of something Jesus did? Sound familiar? So, so you find often these things, they have layers of meaning. So you see Jesus at the beginning of a ministry, the end of his ministry, what did he do? Went into the house of God and he saw there all the things that were contrary to God's plan and just tossed them all out. Gave them all a good whipping while he did it. So much for gentle Jesus. He's very passionate about the house of God. Okay then, so, so we're gonna, as we go through this now, we wanna go through it and I'm gonna open the story up and then show you what each of the things are and then how they directly apply to us and, uh, and what were then some practical steps we can take. Okay, so first question I wanna ask, well, who's Nehemiah? You need to be very clear who Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was, a cap, uh, was, uh, was uh, a, a, um, virtually a captive in Babylon and he had been promoted to become a cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon. So in other words, he's, a high, he's in the courts. He's the waiter on the, on the king. He's in a high place of privilege next to the king. And uh, the people of uh, Jerusalem had been captive there for 70 years. Now, you remember in the story of Daniel, how Daniel had a long season of prayer and fasting, 21 days. As a result of that prayer and fasting, heaven opened up and God gave a mandate and a command that all the people who were prisoner in Babylon would be released. So you see how these books all connect to one another. So the people of, of Israel had sinned, they'd gone into captivity. God said, you'll be there 70 years. Daniel read the books and discovered the 70 years was up. He got into prayer and intercession. And as a result of that, God gave a mandate and how, was, how about this? Artaxerxes, the king, released Nehemiah to go and repair the walls and provided all the money and everything to do it. It's just like, wow, what? How does the guy who's, the people who stole it all, the king return it all? It just doesn't make any sense except it's the hand of God. So that shows you a 21-day season of prayer and fasting can bring an open heaven and things that are imprisoned can be released. So Nehemiah is the answer to, one of the answers to Daniel's prayer, okay? It just helps if you catch the story. For some of you may not know how these things connect, they're just weird stories in the Bible. Okay, so, so there we go. So, he's, so he has a mandate to go and repair all the walls of the city which are broken down and the gates which are burnt with fire. Now, one of the guys who was also commissioned about the same time was a man by the name of Ezra. So Ezra came with a team, Nehemiah came with a team, Nehemiah worked on the walls and Ezra worked on the temple. They were all involved in restoration. Okay, and the idea. Now, so what do, what do these things mean? So you gotta see how it will work for us. First of all, Nehemiah is a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So when you study the book of Nehemiah, everywhere you see Nehemiah, think Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works, okay? And so he's a, because, how do we know that he's a picture of the Holy Spirit? Very simple, his name Nehemiah means God comforts us. God comforts us, or it means the comfort of God. And that word comfort means to have compassion, to change the mind, to console, 
to release or alleviate your grief. So now you see that Nehemiah is a representative. He, he's a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit who comes to comfort us, relieve the grief and pain we have, to cause us to turn around and repent and to bring us to a place of restoration. Any idea? Okay, so there he is. So Nehemiah is a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus spoke in John 14, verses 16 and 17 and 18. He said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive. They don't see him, they don't know him, but you know him, he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay then, so now, the, Jesus before he left said, here's what I'm gonna do. I won't leave you on your own. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit will be just like me. He will live within you though. He will never leave you. So when you get born again and receive the Spirit of God, he comes into you and he's the comforter. So he's available at all times to comfort you, to bring healing to the griefs and sorrows of life, to bring a rebuilding of your life where it's been broken, to restore you. I'll, I'll, I'll show you in a moment what his assignment is. And so that's the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of Truth. So he doesn't tolerate lies. He will always lead you into what is true. How we need the Holy Spirit. We live in an age when lies are everywhere, misrepresentations are everywhere, we need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to welcome the spirit of truth. It tells us in another part of the Bible, it says in the last days, it says that God sent a great delusion on the world or on people because they had no love for the truth. So of all the things, one of the things you must develop in your life is a love for truth. Now you won't be popular if you have a love for truth. It won't be popular if you ask questions to bring the truth out. It won't be popular if you tell the truth. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So he works to comfort, he works with love and compassion, but he also doesn't hold back calling it what it is. So now notice then, Nehemiah came to rebuild the walls. The walls represent the boundaries, the perimeter that protected the city from an enemy. The Bible says that a city, that, that a, a man who can't rule his own spirit, a man who's got anger issues, a man who's got unresolved things that he can't get on top of, is like a city broken down without walls. If you've got no walls, the enemy can come in and out. So Nehemiah's job was to restore the walls, the boundaries, the perimeters, so that people then would have restored principles of how to live their lives. He came to restore the gates. The gates were places where decisions were made that represented authority. He came to restore authority back into your life. Many Christians lack authority because their walls are broken down. They're not living the ways of God. They're living according to the culture of the world. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to rebuild the walls, rebuild principles in your life. The role of a husband and a wife, the role of parents in relationship to their children, how to build your finances. He came to repair and restore, to bring us back to God's way. Okay, Ezra came, Ezra was a scribe. Ezra taught the word of God. And so Ezra came to restore the temple, the house of God. So you see there in that restoration, Ezra, the word of God, Nehemiah, the spirit of God, to bring about a work of restoration, you need to encounter the Holy Spirit and flow and respond to him. And you need the word of God to teach you. It says, and it, it tells us, I'll just leave it at that. I won't go any further. I want to get, keep on the flow. So you get any idea now? We need the spirit of God. You need the word of God. If you don't have the word of God, you don't have truth to build your life. You need to be a principled person, a person who lives out of principles of the word of God and led by the Holy Spirit. That's where God is leading you. So what he's gonna do, he's gonna uncover the brokenness, uncover the lies, uncover the things and you need to cooperate rather than resist him. Okay, to get the idea. So now you got now how the story is so relevant for us, who Nehemiah is and who Ezra was and what's going on, and the Holy Spirit is given to us. Now, the Holy Spirit has an assignment. 
So Nehemiah was given an assignment to go to the city. So the Holy Spirit also has an assignment. That means he's tasked with doing something. So when the Holy Spirit is given to you, the Father has tasked him with three things. Okay, here's the first thing. The first thing is to establish your identity that you are a beloved child of God, fully accepted. He is tasked with that. Romans 8, it tells us, verse 14 and 15, the Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That make sense? Okay, so the first task is to establish you in your sonship and remove all doubts about your identity. That's why you need to be established in your identity because it'll come under attack all the time. Okay, the second thing the Holy Spirit is tasked with is to empower you to advance the kingdom of your Father, to empower you to serve. In Acts 1.8, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. So the Holy Spirit is given one of his jobs is to get you active serving Jesus, serving his people, serving other people. And he empowers you to do it. He gives you the ability to do it. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Spirit is not about speaking in tongues. It's about power to live a life that witnesses Jesus is real. Okay? That's the second thing. That's his job. And he's not going to be a slacker. So he's going to keep stirring you up. He's going to keep provoking you to your identity. He's going to keep stirring you to serve. And the third thing is that he's responsible for our transformation. He's responsible. You're not. He is. So in Romans 8, 29, it says, uh, in verse 28, it says, we know all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. And said for, he says, whom he loved, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit, the third aspect of his assignment is to change you, to stop you being selfish and turn you into a person who's more and more like your heavenly father. To conform you to Christ, Christ is the image of the Father, it's actually he wants you to grow up and be a child of God, that the way you live your life and conduct relationships, people experience God. That you're generous, that you're kind, that you're compassionate, that you're loving, that you're courageous, that you persevere. All of those qualities of sonship, God is wanting to build them in your life. Now, get this, the Holy Spirit is given charge of the rebuilding program. You don't have to go fix your life up. You just need to cooperate with what he's doing. So many times, like for example, when I counsel, I'll ask, well, what is God saying? What is God doing right at this time? So I had one person I was talking with recently and it came out there was a major unresolved conflict with their mother. And then it turns out that between discovering that and when I next spoke, they had a visit from the mother. So in other words, God was setting it all up. He'd uncovered there was an issue. Now he brought the mother into her life for a visit. And then so when I spoke with her, I said, well, what's God doing? And, and she said, oh, just this. And, and my mother visited me recently. I said, and what were your feelings when your mother was there? And she began to cry. And she talked about all the things. She, I said, that's what God is on. That's what we need to be addressing. He has stirred up in your life the very things he is wanting you to address. See, so I spoke the word and the Holy Spirit came and then gave you an opportunity to face this is a problem here. You're all getting real quiet now. <laughs> okay, it's, it's good, isn't it? It just shows you how the, the Bible is an amazing book. Okay then, so... So we now see uh, who, who Nehemiah was and what his role was and how it connects to us today. So the next thing we want to look at is in that story, we see that in the temple, it, he had finished the building job on the wall. He'd gone back to Babylon. He came back again. Now he comes to the temple and to his horror, right there in the temple in one of the side chambers is Tobiah. So I want to ask, first of all, what are the side chambers? What is the, the side chambers of the temple? What are they all about? And who is Tobiah? And then what do we do? Okay, so, so I, when I approach the Bible, I approach by asking questions. That's how you get into it. Okay, so the first thing then, so we're going to ask the question, what are these inner chambers where Tobiah was living? 
So first of all, we need to look at the temple design. The temple design. How was it designed? And what does this mean for us now? Okay, so first thing is that the floor plan and the total design for Solomon's temple was given to David by the Holy Spirit, by revelation. We find that in 1 Chronicles 28, 12. So God downloaded to David, wouldn't let him build it, let his son build it, but he downloaded a plan how to build the temple because God said, I wanna come and live among men. I lived in a tent, now I wanna make a permanent dwelling. So he gave him a pattern for it. Now, I don't wanna get into all the pattern of it, I just wanna highlight one part. But if I just give you a little bit, you'll see it. Now, it had a building, the core of the building was uh, first of all a chamber called the Holy of Holies where the glory of God filled it. It literally was filled with radiant light. The second, that's that, okay. That, that, then the second part was what they call the Holy of Holies and they had temple furniture there and so on. And then they had a porch. Then there was an outer court and the, an inner court and then there was an outer court. So that's just basically its structure. You can look it up online and see a picture of it. Now around the temple, on two sides and round the back were small side chambers. There were 31 on the ground floor. There were three levels of chambers. There's 93 chambers attached to the temple. Now, God told them to design it that way. And he's got a reason. When God does stuff, he always got a reason. So his reason is very, very clear. He wants you to understand how he's designed you to work. So if, what were the small chambers for? The small chambers, God told exactly what they're for. He said, store. These are the places where you store the wine and the oil and all of the, the, the articles that are used in the worship of God. Okay, so that's what it was supposed to be used for. God had a purpose for them. They're a store place. And you store all these little treasures. It tells that uh, they, were, they were all around the sides. 1 Kings 6, 5 to 8 tells us around there. They're all interconnected to one another. And there were three layers of them. They got bigger as they went higher. Okay then, and then around the, so they were designed for storage, uh, 1 Chronicles 31. Okay then, so the design of the temple reveals how God has designed us. First of all, the holiest of holies where the presence of God came represents our spirit. You have a human spirit. And when you're born again, God's spirit comes to dwell within your spirit. You become a new man. So whenever we're reading about the Holy of Holies, you're talking about your spirit. Many people don't know about their spirit, but without your spirit, you die. So your spirit's very important, and we need to learn about the functions of our spirit. Your spirit is the place you commune with God. The spirit is the place where God talks to you. The holy, uh, that's the Holy of Holies. The holy place, or the next place there, that was part of the main part of the temple, where there were furniture there, that represents your heart. Your spirit flows through your heart and into your soul. So in other words, your heart is where the center of your identity is. It's where your uh, passions are. It's where your desires are. And so God has designed us so the life of God would flow from our spirit, joined to God's spirit, through our heart and its cooperation and into our soul, and we would express the life of God. That's why Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit. So you're designed to be joined to the Holy Spirit. You're designed, God gives you a new heart when you're born again, so you love him and wanna honor him and walk with him, new desires. And God has designed you so that the Spirit of God will work through you and flow through you and express itself. And people see love, joy, peace, long-suffering. They see the fruit of the Spirit. That's the design. That's the plan. Of course, psychologists don't understand the plan. God's word reveals the plan. So people in psychology can only understand how you behave and, and they can't deal with the roots of it because they involve the core part of the temple. Now, what about the side rooms? Ah, I'm glad you asked about the side rooms. <laughs> See, the side rooms were storerooms. They were chambers to store things. Okay, now let me show you a verse. I'll pick out a verse for you. There's lots of them around. We'll just see if we can, we, can, we can fix a verse on this. And here it is here. Uh, here's a good verse. Proverbs 18, verse eight. The words of a gossip merely reveal the wounds in his own soul and his slander permeates into the innermost being 
or the chambers or inner rooms. That's the same word used of the storerooms around the temple. So you notice now, if someone gossips about you, it hurts you. And where does the hurt go? Into one of the chambers. Okay, now, these chambers were supposed to be full of the priest's things, but what would happen when the priest backslid, they would store their idols there. They would store defiled objects there. They would hide them in the rooms because they believed no one could see in the rooms. So whenever there was a backsliding and people turned away from a real relationship with God, they started to fill other rooms, the side chambers, they started to take away the things of God and put in it things that were defiling, idols and things like that. Get any idea? Okay, and so, uh, for example, I'll give you an Ezekiel 8 verse 12, uh, Ezekiel's getting a revelation, and he said, this is what God said to him, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chamber of his imagination or idols. For they say the Lord doesn't seek us. See us, the Lord has forsaken the land. So notice there that in times of backsliding, that those chambers become filled with idols and corrupt things. And then when there's a time of restoration under Hezekiah, they went into all those rooms, cleaned out all the junk, burned all the junk, and they cleansed the temple and rededicated it back to the Lord again. Okay, so you just need that bit of history because then you'll start to understand just how this applies to us now. Okay, so we've got the idea, the chambers along the side, connected uh, to the sides of the house. Okay then, the inner part. All right then, now, so what are our inner chambers? They are places in your inner man designed by God where you store things. God designed you so you would store happy memories of experiences of God's provision. You notice when you remember how good God was, it came up from somewhere. It was in a storeroom that God has designed. We are designed to store memories and experiences. How about that? So, <laughs> those inner chambers are store places. Now, when you experience painful words, painful experiences, injustice, abuse, trauma experiences, you can do one of two things. You can bring them to Jesus and let him heal you and you become a vessel of honor and glory filled with more of him. Or you can bury your pain and bury your wound in your heart in a chamber. You lock it up. And when you bury it in the chamber, it doesn't go away. It continues to affect the decisions and way you interact with people. So here's the thing to remember. When someone comes and they say, I love you and I want to marry you, what are they bringing in their inner chambers into that relationship? Because you may not see it now, but once you're married, it will all flow out. See? That's why it says guard your heart diligently. Why? Because if you let things get in the chambers of your heart that are negative, they will flow out and affect your life. So what do people hide in the chambers? They hide memories. They hide secret sin. Some of you may be sitting here or watching and there are secret things hidden in your heart that you are doing that grieve God. They've become an idol in your life. Just like the Old Testament, they bought the idols and they bought them and hid them in the chambers. So here you are, the house of God, but in the chambers around the holy place, you have hidden things that are defiling. They could be uh, things such as fear. Fear gets in those places. Grief gets in those places. Judgments are hidden in those rooms. Many people have got judgments they've made, assumptions they've made, ungodly beliefs, and they've hidden them away. And they just flow out and affect your life. They change the way you do life. Any idea? So you hide them in there, and they affect your decisions, how you do life. They create, now get this, they create legal doors of entry for demonic spirits. Now we're leading to where who to buyer is in a moment. In the identity, the picture's quite clear, see? So here's the thing, is that a current experience can trigger the buried pain and you suddenly overreact. If you are overreacting, how many know when you overreacted? 
Okay, so if you overreacted, it means your response was not in proportion to what happened. It's out of proportion because it's drawing off something hidden in a chamber. Okay, so you see, have you ever met some people and they just nut off and you think, my God, what's going on? They've been storing stuff up. They've been storing idols. They've been storing hatred, bitterness, pain, anger, injustice, grief, whatever it is. They've just stored it there and now it's controlling their life. And God wants to deal with that. That's the assignment of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one here in Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. How about that? If your heart is merry, a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit are broken. And that word sorrow means is the, is the same as the word or root word meaning an idol. So sometimes the idols that we serve are the sorrows that are in our heart. The sorrow in your heart, if you live out of that sorrow and react out of that sorrow, it is guiding you and leading you, not God. Therefore, it has become an idol for you. You need to resolve it, you need to deal with it. So the Holy Spirit's assignment is to uncover in your hidden man all these things. You don't have to go looking. Oh, what's going on? Don't have to look. You just let the Holy Spirit have access. Let him do the work. That's his job. All you've got to do is cooperate with him. He's got the vision for your wholeness. He's got the compassion for your wholeness. He's got the responsibility for your wholeness. Your job is just to cooperate with him. That's a great thing, isn't it, eh? It's very, very encouraging. Okay, then. And uh, so here's a Psalm 51, verse 6, and this is the, the uh, Passion Translation. I know you delight to set your truth deep in my heart, so come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. So what he's praying there, he said, I know you love truth in the inner man. I invite you to come into the secret chambers and put your truth there instead of the wrong things I believe or the wrong values. So, so we invite the Holy Spirit in. He doesn't just come. We ask him to show us the places. Okay, then. so now let's get to Tobiah. Who was Tobiah? Okay, now remember, you are responsible for your heart. You're responsible for what's going on in the chambers of your life. And it's your responsibility. It's your life. Okay, so that part is yours. So, and notice that Elishab, the, the priest, having authority over the storms of the house, become allied with Tobiah and prepared a large room and cast out all the good things. So in other words, the guy who's responsible here is Elishab. He was in charge. You are in charge of your thoughts. You're in charge of your emotions. You're in charge of your heart. You're in charge of your inner life. You're in charge of what you let in there. What you come into agreement with, you let in there. You reject it and struggle with rejection. That's because you're in agreement with the rejection. You're allied to rejection. You're in a bondage to rejection. And it's talking to you and defiling you all the time, filtering the way you see everything. Does that make sense? If you've got bitterness in your heart, it'll show on your countenance. Bitterness is a root. That means it goes down to a hidden secret place where it's stored. Something happened, you never forgave, you become resentful and bitter, and now it's defiling everything. So the hidden things in our heart will overflow and affect all the ways we do life. That's why the Holy Spirit, it's his job to go in and sort those rooms out. Okay then, so notice there that Eliashab, who's responsible, had come into an agreement with Tobiah and let him in. And now he's now living in the temple. Living in the temple. Nehemiah's furious. So who was Tobiah? Now, now, so we first of all look at who's Tobiah, then you see who, you'll see before I finish saying who he was, what it is, okay? Here it is. So Tobiah lived in a secret chamber in the house of God and the, where the offerings should be kept. In other words, the things of God were displaced and he's in there. Okay, first of all, he was called the servant. In other words, his role was to serve someone else. He was a secret enemy of God and the people of God and the purpose of God. He was a secret enemy living in the house. How did he get there? What else can we find out about him? Okay, he was, he was an Ammonite, and Ammonites were they were the descendants of Lot by incest with his daughter, and they were an idolatrous, horrendous, unclean, filthy nation, and this guy is one of them. They were forbidden from being in the house of God, and now they're in the house, he's in the house of God. You understand the concern that Nehemiah had of that. So, so he's an Ammonite, he hated God, and he hated the people of God. He was angry that Nehemiah came to restore the, the walls. So what is he? He's a demonic spirit. Demonic spirits hate God. 
they resist the purpose of God. They'll do everything to stop you responding to God. And if they can't stop you responding to God, they'll try and find a way to get into your life and defile it. Very simple. So Tobiah is a demonic spirit. Your one could be fear, could be rejection, could be shame, could be grief, could be uh, false responsibility, could be witchcraft, there's all kinds of things, could be lust, could be pornography, whatever it is, you become into agreement with it and let it in. And now it's sitting in the house of God where it shouldn't be. And that's what the ministry of deliverance is about, about removing out of the house the things that shouldn't be there. Now, if you were to go and look at what Tobiah did, now remember, demonic spirits, uh, they, they conceal their presence, but they are very active all the time. So if you were to go into the book of Nehemiah and look at every reference of Tobiah, you would be amazed at what he did. It's just like, how could Elisha have let him in? How could you have let this thing in? knowing what it does. So you go and look at what it does now. So remember, this is, this is the nature of demonic spirits. So when we, when we look at the, I won't give you all the verses, you can look them up yourself. So, so when Nehemiah said about restoring the house of God or restoring the walls, this is what Tobiah did. He just laughed and despised it. They, ridic they just laughed and ridiculed that it's possible to rebuild this mess. And that's what the devil does to you. He will laugh at you and ridicule. Your life's too much of a mess. You're a disgrace. You could never be anything. You could never come to anything. That's what Tobiah does. You probably got a Tobiah talking to you regularly. Don't want to listen to him. And then he was angry when he heard that God was working and wanting to restore the people. He become angry that your life might change. Have you ever noticed people get angry when you came to Christ, get angry when you start to follow the law, get angry when you try to make decisions, do the right thing? That's Tobiah talking. That's Tobiah reacting. That's a demonic spirit reacting against you, trying to hinder you. Well, they did lots more than that. You can follow it all through. It's a whole story of its own. They conspired to attack and create confusion. At one point they said, this is what they said, they get the words, as they were looking at the wall building, ah, look at that wall, it's so feeble, even if a little fox jumped on it, it would fall over. And that's what the devil does to you. You trying to make a little step to follow God, a little step to do what's right, ha, ah, that's so little, and you're so pathetic and so weak, and just a little bit of pressure, you'll fall down, you'll never make it. That's how he operates. That's how he works. That's the kind of voice he has. It pays you to recognize Tobiah talking. He talks to lots of people. He made the people fearful. He sought to distract them. So, so one of the things he did was he and the other guys got together and they said, hey, come on now, why don't you stop the building and come on over here, let's have a discussion about what you're doing. <laughs> you understand? In other words, so one of the ways he attacks is just get you diverted, get you doing something else. So you're off what God called you to do. That's why if you're gonna do well this year, find out what God's calling you to do and find out what God is doing and focus on it. Write it down and focus on it. Keep, keep in the direction God has called you to go. Another thing he did was he made false accusations. So he starts to accuse them falsely. Another thing he did was he wrote letters to accuse them. Another thing he did was hire a prophet to prophesy against them, bought some false prophecy, which we see the equivalent today when someone comes up with some weird prophecy. It had never ceased to amaze me, Christians, that follow prophecies from unreliable, unconnected people. It's just crazy to do that. If they're not connected into the house and part of the family of God and their ministry's proven, you should not be listening to words from strange people because they will lead you astray. They'll lead you out of the call of God. They're all getting quiet now. <laughs> well, we've all had those. We've all had those. And then he undermined his leadership. He went, he went to all the leaders and then he, he told about all the good things about himself and he pointed out all the bad things about Nehemiah. Does this sound familiar? So, so when you look at Tobiah, Tobiah was the servant of someone else. Tobiah was the visible representative of, of Satan who tangibly tried to obstruct and hinder the work of God. And here he is now, having done all those things, established in the very house of God himself. Wow. So how did Nehemiah respond? Eh? So Tobiah is any spirit that's assigned to stop you, and you can tell by the way it's talking to you and how you're reacting in life that it's there. How does Nehemiah respond? Now, Nehemiah, remember, is the Holy Spirit. 
So when you read through the story, you want to read how Nehemiah responds because his response is the response a believer must make to demonic powers. Now, he's not a nice, I mean, the Holy Spirit's gentle and a comforter, but he's also really wild. Look at this. So uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, when Tobiah came and started to mock him and belittle him, this is what he said. This is what he said. I love this response. This is a response of faith. Faith has got a sound to it. Look, listen to the sound. Listen to what he says in Nehemiah 2, verse 20. I answered them. I answered that mocking demonic spirit. I answered that resistance this way. And this is what he said. The God of heaven will prosper us. That's a faith statement. God is with us. God will prosper us. God will make what we do succeed. God is with us. That should be your confession. God is with me. Today, he will make what I do prosper. See, that's what faith sounds like. And then he spoke to the demon and he said, uh, then, then he spoke to, to, to the others. He said, we his servants will arise and build. So first of all, he said, God is with us. God will prosper us. And this is what we do. We will arise and we will build. We will flow with the vision God has for us. And then he says, as for you, you have no right no memorial. I'll get the exact words because three things he said. He said, this is what he said to him. He said, you will have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, he said, we will give you no territory in our lives. We will give you no room in our lives. We'll give you no room to create a, a destructive legacy to the next generation. We will give you no room, no territory he said, we'll give you no right. That means no legal right. I'll give you no right to remain. If you're going to stand up and live out your destiny, you've got to be able to speak with authority. I will not give any legal right to a demon to continue to hold me in bondage and stop me fulfilling my destiny. I will deal with that legal right. Sin gives legal rights. If there's any sin, it's the Holy Spirit's job to show you. If he shows you, it's your job to say, I will give the devil no more right to use that and keep me broken down and in bondage. And the third thing he said, I'll give you no memorial. In other words, I won't allow any memory, any painful experience to be a doorway for you to continue to afflict my life. Now that's what restoration looks like. It's a bold stand. You want to say what the Holy Ghost says. Holy Ghost says, God is with me. God is with me. God will enable me to prosper. I will go forward in 2022. I'll go forward in my marriage, forward in my personal life, forward in my family, forward in my finances. I will go forward. God will prosper me. It's not my ability. It's God with me. Okay? And I am committed to arise in my spirit and in faith and build with God. See, that's what he's saying. Many, many churches use arise and build as a way to get finances and generate finances. It's wonderful and fine, but the context is not that. The context of the statement arise and build is the call of the Holy Ghost for you to repair the, the things that are broken in your life and stand up and become the house of God again. That make sense? We will arise and build. And... Devil, I'm not going to give you any territory in my life. I'm going to give you no place where you can build a legacy from generation to generation. Listen, I've done a lot of help with senior people all over the world. And one of the common things the Holy Ghost has been on last year is they've come from broken backgrounds and I've had to help them stand to not reproduce the same cycle of destruction so they lose the next generation. It's not about you. It's also about the legacy you will leave. Nehemiah is facing a legacy of people who failed. He's now having to restore it. Many of us, there are situations in our background, even in the generations that need to be addressed. Nehemiah in Nehemiah 1 addresses that. He owns it and brings no territory. I'm going to give you no legacy. There's no heritage. This whole issue stops with me. 
Make sense? I'm the generation that brings this to an end. I'm the generation that deals with the legal rights. I'm the generation that removes the pain, the grief, the trauma, whatever it was. It will not continue. I will work with the Holy Spirit and build with the Holy Spirit until the impact of that trauma is gone. The impact of that failure is gone. The impact of that shame is gone. We're going to build a house that honors God. That's what he's saying. And that's, that's what you need to resonate you need to resonate with what the Holy Spirit says, not echo what the devil says. See? So how did he respond to the presence of Tobiah in the house? How does God feel about demonic spirits gaining access, even if you don't know it, into your life and causing you pain and suffering and distress and ongoing issues in your life? How does the Holy Spirit feel about that? How does God feel about that? Look at this. It says in Nehemiah 13 verse 8, it grieves me bitterly. The Holy Ghost is deeply grieved when he sees the temple that Jesus paid a price to make, to, to redeem, and it's defiled by something living in there that doesn't belong there, an evil spirit, an evil parasite. It grieved him. It caused him sorrow. God's not angry at you for these areas. He's sorrowful over those areas. He's like a father longing for sons and daughters to be healed and restored. The Holy Ghost grieves when he sees you struggling, grieves when he sees you in bondage to hidden sin, to habits, to things that defile. He grieves over that. And what did he do? He removed Tobiah. He cast him out. And what else did he do? He cast out all his goods. He removed all the reason and the rights for him to be there. Just tossed them out like Jesus did. It's the same God that inspired Jesus, by the way. That's Nehemiah again at work through Jesus. So what is it God is wanting you to face and toss out of your life and get rid of the grounds and the junk and the defilement he's brought into your life? What is it God's speaking to you about? And after that, he said he cleansed it and then restored it to its proper use. So the places in your life that are broken, that are hurt, that are wounded, God wants to enter into those chambers. He wants to toss out any demons there, remove all the junk and the garbage that they've caused in there, the legal rights they've been given. He wants to make it clean and wants to fill it with his presence. So instead of your memory of sorrow, you have memory of an encounter with God and his goodness to you. You don't always forget the things that happen, but they're now replaced with something bigger and better. And you say, I, what happened to me was sad and tragic and hurt me, but God, yeah, yeah. but God is the God of miracles. He has delivered me, healed me, restored me. He will prosper me. Yeah. Get the idea? Yeah. I love these stories from the Bible. They're just so full of tremendous insight to our journey with God. Don't you love it? So there it is. Okay, so what are some key steps you could take? I'll just finish with some practical things. Here's some key steps that you could take. Now, these steps are ways of walking with God and processing stuff that happens in your life. They're very important steps. I won't have the time to develop them too much. Um, I'll probably post up the notes on the website somewhere. First of all, recognize how the Holy Ghost exposes or reveals the hidden issues. You need to recognize he's got a way of doing it. You need to recognize it's just him, him doing it. In, in Deuteronomy 7.20, it said, moreover, the Lord will send the hornets among them until those who are left who hide themselves are destroyed. So in other words, God will send a hornet. In the Old Testament, God sent hornets in. Now, I don't like wasps. A hornet is a very virulent wasp. A wasp will sting in the one place many times and go. A hornet will run like a sewing machine. <laughs> Terrible. And, and so what God said, God sent the hornet, which is a very little thing, but it flushed the enemy out. Okay, getting the idea? So God now will allow little things to flush up what's in your life. Oh, oh. You see, some of us, me particularly, a wasp comes around, I become a windmill. There's a quite an over-the-top reaction. See, so, so he said that. So, so pain or things that disturb us are the catalyst to look at it and change. So there's, a hornet is a small, irritating intruder, but it, it uncovers what our enemies. Any idea? So a hornet can be a person. 
an event, it just triggers a response. Are you already thinking of someone now, huh? <laughs> so, so, so a person or event or something can trigger an unusual response, tears, anger, fear, withdrawing. So something has triggered that response. That's the hornet that God's allowed to come to actually reveal and uncover a hidden enemy. Get an idea? So, so what are the hornets that God uses? Well, uh, it could be a person, an event, it could be just a sound, it could be music, a certain song, and suddenly memories come flooding back and tears with it. It, it could be, um, what else could it be? It could be even a movie. Sometimes you're watching a movie and suddenly one scene in a movie and suddenly and God is triggering something in you. So don't just push it aside, pretend it never happened, take time with God, and see what he's trying to deal with. So it could be a troubling dream. Some people, they have these repeated dreams that come and, and God is trying to bring to your attention an issue he's wanting to deal with. Some have angry outbursts. That angry outburst has been triggered mostly by some small thing. It could be unwanted invading thoughts. It could be rejection thoughts or insecurity thoughts. It could be repeated in, in, uh, irritations. It could be just a loss of peace. You just lost your peace. Whatever it is, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do whatever's needed to flush it. So when you go out into that world, the Holy Spirit is committed to your change and he will allow stuff to come up. Often it's, among the, it's from the people near to us. <laughs> and you think, whoa, 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 what's going on here? See, so here's the second thing. So recognize how he does it. He just brings the little hornets into our life to stir us up. And then when you look at the things that come. So the second thing is don't bury or conceal the painful feelings or tormenting thoughts or pictures. Don't bury them. Don't just do what we normally do, push them down. Our tendency is to cover or hide or control them and or push them down or have another wine or go and watch something or, or get into pornography or some kind of thing. That's what people do. They try and find a way of avoiding the pain. Just don't, don't do that. Just examine it because it's a signal. So we need to bring it to the light and call it what it is. This is what it is, I'm feeling this. It won't go away, it just continues to grow. So just face it, call it out. I am feeling this, I reacted this way. I reacted with anger, I reacted out of fear. I re There's something going on inside me. So, so don't bury it, put a name on it. And then here's the third thing, ask the Holy Spirit to expose and reveal the hidden root. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come. That's his job. It's not your job to figure it all out. Don't keep trying to figure it out. And then you feel condemned. Tobiah will come. You're no good. You're hopeless. You're always like this. You said you'd never do it. You're doing it again. That's what he will say to you. The Holy Spirit asks for you to invite him to come in. Just invite him in. Holy Spirit. Here's how David did it. Psalm 119, 23. And he said, Oh God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through and find everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through my anxious thoughts. And if there's any path of pain I'm walking on, lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The Passion Translation. And so he just says, God, you do it. You do it. You help me out here. So Jesus is the one. Only Jesus knows the secrets of your hearts. You don't. They're buried. You buried them a long time ago. Only Jesus can break the power of hidden sin. You need to invite him in. Only Jesus can heal the broken heart. Only Jesus can remove the demons. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can do it. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as his representative to help you. Only Jesus can do this work inside. So the people you meet, they're all suffering and struggling and don't know why. Only Jesus can help them. They need firstly to encounter Jesus and then we invite his spirit into our heart to help us. Look at this. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help you. Look at this in Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp, a shining light that searches the innermost chambers of our being. How about that? The Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate those rooms. And I found when I've talked with people and tried to help people, I find there's always rooms they don't want anyone to go to. If I was to ask you, what is the one? And they say, well, I've, I've invited Jesus in this far, this far. I say, yeah, yeah, you got him in the foyer, but all the rooms are locked. So why don't you actually see which room he wants to open up and you've got to choose to open it. 
You invite him in by surrendering the control of it. You all got so quiet on this one. <laughs> just, oh, listen, I, I, no one, I had to learn this the hard way. I learned this from the Holy Ghost. This is, this is what helped me. So, 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 don't, so if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to search those chambers and pull out the junk so we can deal with it, then it'll just continue to affect us. But once he shows you something, you need to respond or you start to grieve him because you're tolerating it in there. So, so think about this. I don't have to worry about my, the process of being changed. I just need to let the Holy Spirit help me. And, and I notice what's happening to me. I notice what God's doing. I notice how I'm reacting and I come alone. Holy Spirit, I invite you into that place to expose what went on in there, what is the hidden root and to help me. I want you to come in and show me my part in it. Show me what I can do to come free of it. Do I need to repent of something, break my agreement with something, forgive someone? Do I need to bring the pain to the light? Do I need to, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is how it's done. It's not, it's not rocket science, is it? It's actually just called humility. <laughs> so, so, but if you let the Holy Spirit and He'll take the stuff away and then you're free you say oh yeah 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 I used to be there I used to be into that stuff now I'm free God has filled my life I'm at peace in there now I, I don't worry if people do this or do that it doesn't affect me anymore because Tobiah's gone and those, the junk he had with him all those memories and experiences and legal rights they're all gone as well so, so when, when ask, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Then, then just bring the issues to the cross. Bring them to the cross. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and will forgive us and cleanse us. So when, when stuff is brought to the light, you just got to sort out what's my stuff and what's someone else's stuff. Someone else's stuff, I bring the pain to the Lord to heal and I forgive them and bless them. My stuff, I just, yep, you're right. Oh man, that is sin. I repent of it. I turn from it. I break all agreement with it and bring it to the cross. There it is. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill those places and start to take the Word of God and meditate on it to let truth fill your heart. How about that? So there it is, the Old Testament, Tobiah. So what is your Tobiah? What is it that torments and accuses and ridicules and belittles and stops you functioning properly? Is it fear or rejection or disappointment or grief, some kind of pain, some kind of issue, some kind of generational thing? There's just something happening in your life and it's a distress and you kind of keep it hidden away and, and try not to cope with it. You're just, just putting it away. Instead of doing that, bring it to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Because I believe that our God will prosper us. And we, His servants, will arise and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and restore and rebuild. And as for the enemy, you got no place in my life. I'm not letting this thing stay there to bring legacy to the next generation. I'm not giving you any legal rights. I'm repenting and bringing them to the cross. And I'm bringing my pains and sorrows to be healed because I'm not allowing any place for you to continue to defile my life and relationships. Why don't you close your eyes right now? If you're watching online, you can do the same thing. First and most important thing for every person, if you're watching, is to receive Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you've got no one to transform you on the inside. Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. And when we acknowledge our core problem is sin, separation from God, falling short of how God intended us to be and sometimes just doing dumb stuff we know is wrong. Jesus died on the cross for that sin so you could be forgiven. His desire is to put a new spirit in you, His spirit to empower you with a different life. His desire is to change your heart so now you like the things that please God. You're on a new path, a new court. It starts with the decision to receive Jesus Christ. Would you make that decision right now? And if you've made that decision right now, I invite you to just follow me in this prayer. And church, if you're gathered here, why don't you just pray the prayer? If you're watching online or watching somewhere else, then why don't you just pray the prayer as well? Just follow me in this simple prayer. Jesus, I open my inner being to you. Lord, there's sin and brokenness and damage. And I come to you 
and I ask you to forgive me. I bring my sin to the cross and I receive you as my Savior. I receive forgiveness for my sins. I receive your Spirit, your Holy Spirit into my heart. And I give you my life today. I choose to follow Jesus Christ. And I know you will prosper me. I will arise and build with you and give no more place for the devil in my life. Thank you, Lord. I belong to you. If you've given your heart to Jesus for the first time, just talk to someone in the group and let them know or share it with us online or in some way communicate and connect that God has touched your life. Now, there'll be other people here today and God has put his finger on something in your life and you're watching and you think, oh, I know exactly what's being irritating. I know that hornet. That hornet may be a person. <laughs> it's often a person. Let's face it, it's often a person or people. And it's annoying us. It's stinging us. And it's trying to flush up that there's an issue in our life. Or maybe some event, maybe some patterns or struggles you're having or some thoughts or memories or, or dreams you're having. If that's you, why don't you just acknowledge it right now? God is talking to me. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know you're speaking to me about brokenness in my heart that's affecting how I relate and live. I'm living less than I could be because of the unresolved issues. Lord, today I surrender control and I invite you to come in to every chamber of my heart where I'm harboring evil things and to expose them and bring them to the surface. I choose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to break my agreement with those things, to forgive and release those who hurt me, and to draw on your grace to change. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, come right now and begin to touch people. Touch them with your love. Begin to flow into their lives. Let them feel your love. No matter what you're struggling with, God loves you. Your Father loves you. He believes in you. He sent Nehemiah. He sent the Holy Spirit to establish your sonship empower you for a, a prosperous life and to transform you. The Holy Spirit's here today to help you do that. You're the God of miracles. You're the God of miracles. How we thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak to the divine that's present. I speak now out of my office in apostolic authority. I speak into people's lives. In Jesus' name, I come against generational curses. I break the power of those curses and command the tormenting spirits to go. I command the spirits, occult spirits to go. I command you go in Jesus' name. Unclean spirits, sexual tormenting demons, defiling spirits, spirits of accusation and condemnation, Spirits of fear and rejection, I command you to go in Jesus' name. S spirits that torment, go in Jesus' name. Spirits of poverty, go. Spirits of infirmity, go in Jesus' name. Lord, let your presence come and fill. I believe in you. We've got a season of, we have a season of prayer and fasting coming up. It's a great season for you to step up. And I want you to go through the book of Nehemiah, read it, read it, look at the things and take time to, to ponder, how does that relate to me? What is it God is wanting to rebuild, restore in my life? What is it God wants to remove from my life so I can enter fully into the things he has this year? Take the time with God to set some goals, set some things that God puts in your heart for this year. 
how you will grow, how you'll develop, how you'll move forward in some area of your life. And maybe it might take that Nehemiah chapter 2 and that last verse out. As for us, our God will prosper us. Make it a declaration of our life. And we, I, his servant, will arise and build with my God. His hand is on my life and he will prosper us. The way you do it is you memorize the verse, pray the verse, and then start to speak it spontaneously and make it your declaration for this year. As for us, as for me, my God will prosper me. And I, his servant, will arise and build. And as for my enemy, you have no place, no legacy, no territory, no rights, no memorial. God is with me. You say amen? God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you, those who are watching online.